sure that's true, because back then, black people heard him and saw him and still didn't believe. Back then, I'm crucified. So, only a privileged few ever got to actually see and hear Jesus. But there are multitudes that know, love, and serve Jesus because we believe he's still here. That he's alive. He died and he rose from the dead. And so we believe that Jesus Christ is not in our theme verse. Jesus Christ is we say all together, again. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And it's crucial that we stay the same so that we can have fellowship with him and relate to him. The same Jesus we read about in Scripture, the one we come to know and love, is the same Jesus that we know today. That's why we're still celebrating him. 2,000 years later, while the timeline, the calendar is divided by his arrival on the earth, everything is either BC before Christ or AD, Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. History is his story. And not only is he the most significant person historically, he's still the most significant person in the world today because he continues to impact countless lives. If he had never come, the world would be very different, life would be very different, I would be very different. So the effect that Jesus has had and is still having is incalculable. So where is he now? Well, as he said, we believe he's alive. He died, he rose, and his physical body came out of that tomb with a transformed glory. And Luke's gospel records that while speaking to his disciples, when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and took him out of their sight. So he ascended, returning to a place from which he came. He went back to the place of glory, or God's well, the spiritual realm, the, uh, the non-material dimension, where God and his angels are. It's another kind of universe. Uh, it's this place that Mark actually has it. It's taken up into heaven, and it's sat down at the right hand of God. So that's where he is. He's at the place of power and strength and authority, the right hand. So we know where he is, but what is he doing there? Is he just kind of chilling, waiting for the word to go back? Waiting for the, the time of his return? Well, he could, I guess it's on that all that time, but it seems to me like he's doing a whole lot of work. He's still working for us. He's very active today, working as our Messiah, doing for me what we cannot do for ourselves. And what is his work? His work is for us, in us, and through us. Let's look at those first. Jesus is working for us as Messiah. You might remember Messiah is the Old Testament word for Christ. The New Testament word for John Scripture. It's the one come to be our king, prophet, and priest, right? Because Messiah means the anointing one. There were three roles in the Old Testament that received anointing oil. They put oil on the person to set them aside, designate them as special servants of God. King, prophet, and priest. And Jesus to be the ultimate anointed one, the only one to fulfill all three of those roles simultaneously and perfectly. He's the only one who could. So he's working as king. He's king of kings, he's Lord of lords, 
He's ruling and reigning over infinity and beyond. All authority is heaven and on earth, I think you can do that. He upholds the creation. He continues to manage it and to keep it going. And that's all right in Colossians 1 17. It's before all things. And in him, all things hold together. Keeping it all together for us. And Paul also notes that God the Father, who gave his life, raised him from the dead, seated him on his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all ruler and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet. So he's sharing the throne with his Father. He is omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. He's everywhere and knows everything and has all power. He's also reigning and ruling over us at his church, those who bow the knee to their king. Ephesians go on, it says, he put all things under his feet, under Christ's feet, gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So Jesus is the head of the church. Of all time, of all believers, and so that he not just Lord of the church here on earth, but he's Lord of the church in heaven, right? Because there are a lot of Christians who have already gone to heaven. And Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So they're already with him more alive than ever. Now, what we call that is the church triumphant. The church in heaven, church triumphant. Church on earth, church militant. Why? Because those in heaven have already triumphed. They've already been victorious, they've endured, they've overcome. We on earth were still militant. Because we're still fighting on. We're still struggling and uh, we are deep in spiritual warfare and we're suffering opposition and oppression. But this has been going on for 2,000 years. And so there are a lot of Christians who think of the, the idea of um, the tribulation and the millennium as being a future thing. And it's going to be seven years of tribulation, of hard times, and then Christ will come back and he'll to an earthly reign, a kingdom of a thousand years, a paradox. But there are others who, like myself, believe, no, that's not future. That's going on right now. That's current reality. We're already experiencing the tribulation right now. A seven-year time. In other words, it, it seems short. It's only temporary compared to what's to come. That's what Paul would get down when he writes in St. Corinthians 4, for this life's momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal place of glory beyond all comparison. And the church triumphant is experiencing that today. They are in the millennial kingdom right now, but Jesus is ruling over from heaven until he returns and he creates the new heavens and the new earth where we'll all be together for eternity. And we'll talk more about that on Friday and Saturday. Christmas Eve and Eve as we discuss our Jesus yesterday, today, that's going to be about Jesus forever. So today, Jesus is ruling in the name of his church as king. He's the member of his kingdom, he's not a good ruler, he's with us, he's in us, he's among us, he's setting up this alternative society. We are his kingdom, we are his Israel today. It is a transnational, transnational, transcultural kingdom. And that's because we're already citizens of heaven. We're just not going to go there yet. We're waiting for his full-blown kingdom to come. So he's working as our king. He's also working as a prophet. So we don't have Jesus on earth to speak to us. 
face to face, but he left us his word. And all the scriptures were just the same things as Jesus speaking to us today. So we still hear him through his inspired apostles and prophets, and for his spokesmen, and he made sure that what he said was remembered and recorded and passed down to us accurately, guarded for us so that we could still hear him today. Hebrews 1 says, long ago, and many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers at the prophets. But in these last days, he spoke to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, to whom also he created the Lord. So Jesus is the final word. And that's why we can say the entire New Testament is really the word of Christ. When he says that faith comes from hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. So we don't need any new mystical revelation from so-called modern-day prophets. Now, we already have the final word, and it's Jesus. God has spoken through him, and nothing more needs to be added to the Bible. Uh, we, we have the final word, and there's no higher authority in the lives of God today than the words of Christ himself recorded for us in Scripture. Now, Psalm 3 says that the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing admonishing one another in all wisdom. So it's completely sufficient. We don't need anything more than the Word of God itself. Now, uh, there's still people who say, all right, fine, but they try to change what the Word says. Right? Because they really don't like it. They try to make it say what they want it to say. To make it more palatable to modern ears. To read back into it their own opinion, their own speculation their own revisions. And so they change the Word of God to agree with 21st century morality and philosophy. But we're warned in verse 76, if anyone teaches a different doctrine and doesn't agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ, well, don't listen to them. They're messed up. They're misguided. They're, they're false. We have the Word, and the Word doesn't change. His will doesn't change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what was once true about Jesus is still true about Jesus today. That historical Jesus we've all come to know and love through Scripture it is the same one today. And the voice continues to be heard through Scripture, whether it's spoken or read. It's not a dead book. It's the author that is still alive, speaking to you Scripture. Whenever you read it, Hebrews 4 says, For the word of God is living, it's active, it's sharper, and it is ready to sword, piercing to the vision of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and defending the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So whenever you read through the Bible, it's God speaking directly to you, into your life. That's why you can read it over and over, all throughout your life. You can see, you don't just read about one time, but well, and it's done, right through it all. Because it's living. So every time you read through it, it's still God speaking to you in a personal way, applying it to your new stage and season of life. So, he's working as our king, working as our prophet, he's also working as our priest. Old Testament priests, what they do? Well, they were mediators between God and men. They represented the people to God, they represented God to the people. And so they were able to intercede on behalf of the people so they could have access to God. And Jesus became our great high priest, the only real mediator between God and man. Why? Because only he is fully God and fully man. So only he can fully represent us to God and fully represent God to us. That's what Hebrews 4 says. 
Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let's hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with all we can see, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So, what does he do for us, high priest? He helps us deal with our struggles and temptations. Then there's done that we understand the help that we need. That whenever we ask God for help, we approach with Christ. We approach in His name. Hebrews 4 goes on to say, Let us stand with confidence that near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus is here to help us right now. He's working for us, working on us. He says, I'm never going to leave you. I'll never forsake you. But you said, well, he ascended back into heaven. He's not here anymore. Didn't he abandon us? No. Because he sent the Spirit into our lives. So that's how Jesus is working for us. He's also working in us through the Spirit. God being three persons and one being. Father, Son, and Spirit. And the Spirit is just as much God as Jesus is. The difference is Jesus Contain himself, limited himself in human bodies because he can only be in one place at one time with so many people. The Spirit is unlimited by the body and so it can be with all of us at all times. That's why it's really so much better to have the Spirit than to have Jesus because you have very limited access to Jesus right now, right? But the Spirit is with us all the time. Like Jesus said in John 16, it's to your advantage that I go away. If I go away, the helper will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. So the helper is in us, empowering us, representing Jesus to us in the world today. He's given Paul the spirit of Christ. I think it's so closely related. Paul says, and then this next section here. Yeah, I started going to iPad. You all know I'm on iPad now. I'm not filing in the technological way, but what always happens is when I get on my iPad, I reach my thought, and once it's gone, it's gone. So, it's here somewhere on the screen. Yeah. All right. I think that's it. All right. Let's just go with that. Right. Um, he offers us a gift of the Holy Spirit when we come to Christ. And we thank God for the Holy Spirit. That's also like having Christ in you at all times right now. So when he said, I'll never leave you, but say, see, that's not even a spirit on that phone. I'll fill you with the Spirit. But here we're, we're going together. He says, we're two or three of God in one meeting. We're not even with us. But he's here in a special way among us right now. And we hope that he would be so evident in our worship and our fellowship and community. So whenever somebody comes in here, they would say, well, God is in this place. In fact, he's still building this church today. He does it through you and me. The Spirit gives us gifts. So we have these gifts of what, teaching, administration, mercy, evangelism, leadership, encouragement, Mercy, hospitality, so that the church can continue to be built. And, and God gives the church shepherds and teachers and, and 
counselors and ministers, what? To strengthen the church, to guide the church, to edify the members. And we're all called to have the mind of Christ to think like Him. And we're all called to live like Him. To behave like He did because we are filled with the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit is producing in you love, enjoying, peace, and patience, jealous, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, self control, so you can be like Jesus to the world today. And that's our big idea is Jesus calls you to represent Him in the world today. He's no longer here physically, so where is His spiritual body? Where is His hands and feet? And his voice, and without him we can do nothing but through him all things are possible. So we're Jesus to the world today. That's our first point. If we can tell that he's working for us, and that's working through us. Call us to do what he did, what he did, what he did, what he did, he served what he served. He came to seek and save the lost, to call sinners to repentance. Because it them everything he has commanded to testify to the truth. This is something we do when we put skin on. Right? That's the incarnational mission of Jesus. He came and put skin on. And we're dealing with the skin on in this world today. But the message paraphrase of John, chapter 1, verse 14, 14 says, The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the universe. But what are we doing in the neighborhood today? What's the church actively doing in the world today? Well, we know there's a lot of us. We take up a lot of a big percentage of the world's population. And our beliefs and our practices can be found in practically every corner of the globe and in every facet of society. Paul says in Second Corinthians 5, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. And if God were making an appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ to reconcile to God. So, we're supposed to be represented as ambassadors, and sometimes we're not very good ambassadors, wouldn't you agree? Sometimes we don't do what He wants us to do. In fact, there will be people who say that the church is responsible for more negative things in the world than positive, but we're responsible for so much violence and oppression. That's true. Such things have been done in the name of Christ. But we also need to note that all those horrible things done in the name of Christ weren't. Done by Christians. That's not even possible. These are phony Christians that they're promoting hatred and violence and oppression. But we will have to say that again, we're, we're kind of messed up dysfunctional people who don't act like Jesus all the time. These days it feels like society is affecting us more than we are affecting society because we're not living like Jesus very well. So I'm talking about people who really do love Jesus hold to a biblical worldview, are serious about their faith. Not just claiming to be a Christian, but really living it out. They're being Jesus to the world today. And that's what we include all of us. That we're representing Him well. And when that happens, there's nothing else like it. When the church is working the way it should be, it's incredible. Because we're doing what Jesus did. And, and I think the church is still doing that today, even though it's not always easy to see. Jesus brought hope and healing. He cared for the poor, for the outcast, for the neglected. Comfort for those who mourn. Healing for those who hurt. Such Christian values of compassion and charity and respect for human life have shaped and civilization. It's Christians who are typically at the forefront 
of help for those in cancer disasters, that the conflicts that are going on in the world. Christians are there helping, offering mercy to those who are broken. And they your force for good, uh, for bringing healing. And as Christians, we have been very responsible for a multitude of hospitals, mental health facilities, care for the aged. Uh, Christianity played a big role in education for the aged, preserving and disseminating knowledge in the time of the dark ages, promoting literacy, what? So that people could read the Bible for themselves. Very important. Christian colleges continue to have a significant role in higher education. It's acted as a conscience of the community, promoting justice and dignity for every human life to be believed everyone is made in the image of God and needs love and die for everyone. So, Christians have been at the forefront of the abolition movement, the legislature, the slavery, the advance of human and civil rights, the advancement of global charities and better treatment. Better care for, for orphans, for a mentally challenged, for prisoners, for advocating for, for rights for workers and women, and then it's certainly driving the pro life movement to protect the unborn. Christianity has helped shape Western culture through the arts and music and literature. Some of the greatest compositions and books and plays, and paintings, and sculptures, and architecture are found having Christian themes. It plays a significant role in the shaping of democracy in the world. You can see it in American founding documents, which have shaped all other democracies in the world, promoting the idea of God-given rights to be able to work, to be able to to own property, to produce and buy and sell goods. It's with the countless people out of poverty. And in a world often filled with so much hatred and violence, the message of Christ is what he and been a powerful force for good. Jesus went everywhere, preaching and teaching the good news. And this is to continue on in that missionary effort to bring good news to the world where Christianity started. It was all but disappeared. In the Middle East, Northern Africa, it's been persecuted so severely that the human and the Christian dead live every day in constant danger. Where it is the most dominant for centuries has been in Europe and in North America. But in more recent times, Christianity has found its own dominant in Europe. Dissipating in Canada, receiving in the United States. At the same time, growing in so many other parts of the world, flourishing in Latin and South America, Asia, and Africa, impacting most cultures. In fact, it's been going further around the world to the East, to China, to India, the most popular regions on Earth. Four people in those two countries and part of the rest of the world combined. And while it's still very dangerous there, and the church often has to go underground there, that's where Christianity is growing. And even though there are these regional religions that persecute and all these government restrictions, I don't think it will be much longer until the East will be where Christianity is. 
God's kingdom cannot be stopped. Jesus is Lord of all. And so that's the representation of the world today. That message is still upsetting people, still throwing the world into turmoil. Because Jesus is Savior, but He's also Messiah, His King. He leads His spiritual kingdom. That is in conflict with the world's values. And you have to make a choice. Which kingdom am I going to be in? As you continue to challenge the social order, you have to decide which side am I on? This message continues to transform people's lives forever. And if you're ready to make that decision today, it will be the greatest decision of all time in your life. Yes, I want to follow Jesus. I want to return and say, I want to be baptized in Christ. Forgive me. Don't get this to me. Living for Him from now on. So, guys, this isn't just about adopting a new lifestyle. It isn't just about a philosophy or a religion. This is about being connected to the risen, living, ascended Lord. It's about knowing Him, loving Him, serving Him, and following Him. We're ready to do that today. We're ready to text us, email us, or come up to the front and get on the side, talk to someone waiting for you to help you with your next step. If the guy's had you right here today, come up to the And you will receive the same promise that you read about in the New Testament. It's the same that today, today, and forever. His love is constant. His wisdom and righteousness, righteousness and power are unchanging. He's not a man. He's with us right now. As long as our trust is in him, we know that he has saved us, he is saving us, and he will save us. I tell you, Apostle Paul, in all of Philippians chapter 1, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. I hope you're going to be able to put this in for any of you. And then you reach out. And invite some friends, family, co-workers, classmates, neighbors. They may not even know that they need what you have. And it doesn't cross their mind to go up in the church or to go looking for a church. But they need the love and the truth and joy and the truth that you have to give to And you're the one that's going to represent Jesus to them, to your world, to your network, to the relationship. So I hope you take some nice classes, please, just to put them out there, send them a note, send them a text or a call, say, I would love to have you come and be part of Christian services at South Point. It's going to be a meaningful and great way to start your Sabbath day. If you don't have Friday night, if you don't have two services on Saturday, no Christmas Sunday service, that's okay. If you don't have church, that's the Lord's Day, the first day we started Saturday evening. So, we're good to go next week, all right? Pray for those people by name and give you a place to pray about. We're going to go into a time of prayer for communion right now. But if you're a Christ follower, you're welcome to share this communion. If you're not, it's just a good quiet time to respond to the Pray. But this helps us focus our lives and continue to work. The bread and the cup remind us of his body and his blood sacrifice for us on the cross. So yes, it is a remembrance, a reflection on what he did in the past, yesterday, that we were saved, 
but it's also a present examination of ourselves today. Where do I stand with the Lord? They look forward to the future. It's a celebration of what's to come. We will eat and drink until that day we eat and drink new. Thank you. 